Welcome to Swarupa Vidya Ashram. My name is Swami Nirmalananda. Each audio is a discourse that I offered at a satsang, a free meditation program, and was followed by meditation. These teachings address the underlying questions of life. Who am I? Why am I here? How do I do what I came here to do? I went to my guru with these same questions. While he gave me the teachings I share here, most importantly, he gave me the inner experience they describe. This is why I teach, to share the same with you, both the theory and the inner experience of your own inherent divinity. The bliss of consciousness is your birthright. Meditate and discover that you are greater than you could ever imagine. Om Namah Shivaya Gurave Satchidananda Murtaye Nishpapanchaya Shantaya Niralambaya Tejase Murtanandaya Gurave Shisha Samsara Harine Bhagda Kayaika Dehaya Namaste Chitsaratmane Heta Vejagatameva Samsara Nava Setave Prabhave Savavidyanam Shambhave Gurave Namaha Guru Brahma Guru Vishnu Guru Devo Maheshvara Guru Sakshat Parabrahma Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Om Swarupa Swaswabhava Namo Namaha Oh, I bow to my own self. I bow to my Baba's own self. I bow to his Baba's own self. I bow to your own self your own divine essence, your own beingness, your own isness, O Shiva. Again and again I bow. Om Swarupa Swaswa Bhava Namo Namaha. Happiness lies inside. An ancient Greek story tells of Pandora, who was the first woman created, shaped out of earth by one of the gods. She married Epimetheus, bringing with her a sealed jar. The modern version of the story says it's a box. But Hesiod's version from 700 BC says it's a jar, like a heavy pottery urn with a sealed lid. The jar held sickness, death, and all other types of misery and evil. When she opened the jar, the miseries flew out over the earth, roaming free. As quick as she could, she closed the lid, 
but she trapped only one thing still inside, hope. That sounds good that there's hope in the jar. Yet in Greek, hope also means deceptive expectation. Not necessarily so good. There is another version of the story, two more versions actually. 200 years later in Homer's Iliad, there are two jars, one of pains and one of blessings. A few hundred years later, Babrius writes his version of the story. The gods sent a jar containing blessings to humans. As described in the story, a foolish man opened the jar out of curiosity, letting all the blessings escape but one. When he closed the lid, only hope remained. While hope shows up in all three stories as a quality still contained within the jar, that's not the part of the story I'm looking at right now. These stories always have multiple messages. So what is the point that I'm making today? I'm saying that your jar, which I'm using as a metaphor for your mind, is still unopened and it's full of something. What is your mind full of? Is it a jar full of pains and miseries? Or is your mind full of joys and blessings? It turns out that you have a say in what's in your mind. It's an important ability, maybe even a superpower, to be in charge of your mind. But to get there, first you have to find out who you are, the one that has a mind then you can choose how to use your mind. Yoga has you begin by transcending your mind. That's what we're doing now. We've started with chanting, and we'll be ending with meditation. Now, with some of the teachings during the middle part of our satsang, the yogic purpose is to get you beyond your mind, deeper within your own beingness, so you discover who you really are a unique and individualized manifestation of the one divine reality. And when you know your own beingness, O oh Shiva, you will still have a mind. Enlightened beings are not mindless. They simply are not controlled by their mind, not dragged around through the mud by their own mind. Please don't get confused by the different meditative systems available in the West. Our tantric system says your mind is valuable. Your mind is important. Your mind is divine, or it will be once it's been through the car wash. Squeaky clean! We meditate to experience the one divine reality, which is beyond the mind, deeper within. And your inner immersion into your own self transforms your mind. Instead of a mind that is fueled by pain and misery, you will have a mind that is fueled by consciousness itself. You experience the bliss of consciousness because of your mind. This is how your mind works. When your mind experiences the divine consciousness that you are, 
the experience is one of bliss. Now, this is a mind worth having. Getting there is an inside-out process. First, you get inside. Then you let the depth and the power and the beauty of your inner essence make the outer changes. Your mind is gradually cleared of its old ashes, cinders, and soot. The windows are washed clean so the light of your inner being can shine through. Along the way, best of all, every time you meditate, settling deeper and deeper within, you get happy. Baba said it this way, the closer we get to the inner self, the more happiness we experience. You're used to looking outward for happiness, but when it happens, where is the happiness happening? Inside. Whatever's going on outside, you feel the happiness inside. It's the happiness you've been seeking, not the outer experience. Baba used to mimic us greeting a friend or a dear one. You see them, your eyes light up, you run over, you reach out, you wrap your arms around them, you turn your head and you close your eyes and say, it's all so, it's so good to see you. Your eyes are closed. You're not seeing them at all. Where are you looking? What are you seeing? Your head is turned away. You're not really even paying any attention to them anymore. You're looking inside. That's where the happiness is happening. Happiness arises within. It arises from its hiding place, your own self. I'll try a metaphor. Let's say you're a container, like a big pottery urn like in the Greek stories that I shared. Inside your giant jar is a small sun radiating light. But you hold the lid down, you clamp down on it, and you hold it, and you only let a little bit of light shine out sometimes. How much effort does it take to hide your light? You're working hard at it, way too hard. What you want is for someone to say the right words or for the weather to be perfect or something wonderful to happen so you can relax, stop blocking the light, and be your own self. When you hug someone and you experience the happiness, the bliss arising, the light shining from within, your head is turned away so they can't see your light that's arising within. And when you let go of them and turn your head back again, the conversation is all about problems. Oh, there was so much traffic, or I almost missed the flight, or something else. Happiness lies inside, and you let it out too seldom. Yet your body and your brain are built for happiness. We've heard how stress triggers a series of physical changes. It's important to know that joy also triggers changes in your body. In your brain, joy triggers activity in several different happy spots distributed throughout your brain. 
From there, the sensation of joy spreads through other parts of your nervous system through neurotransmitters, chemical messengers. The happiness neurotransmitters include dopamine, serotonin, noradrenaline, and endorphins, which are your internal bliss chemicals. Recent researchers have figured out that happiness is both a trait and a state. A trait is something that you add on, a quality or characteristic, or something that you do, like being polite or courteous, or like being friendly when you're feeling indrawn. A state is inherent to you, like you live there. I can say I live in Pennsylvania, and I can say that I live in a state of constant inner happiness. The researchers describe happiness as both a trait acquired and a state inherent. This means that some people experience joy due to a joyful situation, but others have an inherent capacity for joy, meaning they're able to experience joy whether they've encountered something joyful or not. Happy all the time. Happy for no good reason. Is that possible? Yes. The researchers have gone on and proven that regardless of your genetics, regardless of your upbringing, you can learn to live in happiness. You can use techniques to induce joy, which makes you experience joy more easily. In one experiment, Participants spent 20 minutes a day writing about intense, positive experiences, such as the joy of seeing a family member returning home or watching your child walk for the first time. They didn't have to write about a new experience every day. They could write about something they'd described before, just like your mind reviews things that it's reviewed before. But they wrote about their joy-filled experiences not just the situation that prompted the feeling of happiness, but describing the feeling itself. They did this 20 minutes a day for three months. Other participants in the study also wrote 20 minutes a day for three months. They wrote about different topics. What happened? Those who wrote about joy experienced better moods compared with participants who wrote about different topics. Plus, they made fewer visits to their doctor in the three-month period. They trained themselves to joy. I was quite delighted when I found this research because it explains my own life to me. As a young adult, I did all the things that other people were doing, but they didn't make me happy. I sometimes wondered if I was genetically incapable of joy or something. I had friends who loved to jog and others who loved to dance, so I tried them both. They were fine, but really were nothing I wanted to repeat. Still, I did both because my friends wanted me to. I learned to play the guitar. It was okay. I played at beach bonfires mostly. They were nice. I had friends who loved to bake. I never really got on board. 
oh, I baked, but it didn't make me happy. Well, there was a part of it that did make me happy. When I baked for other people and it made them happy, that made me happy. I've always loved to do things for other people, and I suspect you do too. I remember buying my first new car. Driving it away, I was thinking, okay, this is a good thing, a car that will finally be reliable transportation, but does it make me happy? And the answer was, not really. Then I found yoga, and I started feeling happy. The more yoga I did, the happier I felt. Endorphins, dopamine, and serotonin, good stuff. Yoga trained me in how to be happy. Like the researchers found, I reached the point that I could just think myself into happiness. And then it got better. Happiness doesn't require thinking at all. The yogic sages promise this. They say exactly the same thing as modern-day researchers, only the yogis knew it thousands of years ago, while the researchers are just now figuring it out. The sage Patanjali tells you, contemplate the serene or luminous states you have experienced within. Vishoka Vajyotishmati, Yoga Sutras 1.36. Contemplate the serene or luminous states you have experienced within. Meditation gives you serene or luminous inner experiences. But everyone has these experiences from time to time, whether they meditate or not. One in my lifetime that stands out for me is the Pali Highway on Oahu. <sighs> from the city, you drive four or five miles out and you're up in the volcanic mountains with the highway following the ridgeline and going through some tunnels. And then there's a bridge. Oh, my goodness. It's actually quite a short bridge, though quite high, stretching across the ravine between two ridges. The view is spectacular. There's a parking lot and a lookout point at the end of the bridge. Polly Lookout, world famous. Standing there, I felt I could stay forever. From the lookout, you can see across the island, from the ravine, out through the city and the beaches and the blue ocean beyond, beneath this blue sky that is even vaster than the ocean. And the wind. The wind that sweeps in from the sea pours into the ravine and up the lookout, blow you off your feet sort of wind. You have to lean into it. I could feel the wind holding me up while gravity was holding me down like a kite almost. And I felt like I felt like I was flying <laughs> into space towards the sea and the sky and beyond. Ah, so I love to remember the Bali Highway. Not the road. Not the parking lot. Not even the view or the wind, but the inner feeling they triggered in me. Vishoka Vajotishmati, Yoga Sutras 1.36. Contemplate the serene or luminous states 
you have experienced within. Jyoti is one of the words in this sutra. It means light, as in not dark, and light as in not heavy. When you have an experience of peace or serenity or expansiveness or maybe depth, perhaps light, perhaps deep dark, this is an experience worth remembering. Call it back to mind again and again. Contemplate your bliss-filled inner experiences. This is a process of coming to understand that which is beyond words, that which is beyond your mind, that which is your own self, the inner infinity of your own divinity. My Baba describes his nine years of deep meditations after receiving Shaktipat initiation from his guru. Every day, he sat outside under the mango trees in the afternoon, recalling and mulling over his inner experiences. What a great use of the mind. Yet during those years of deep meditative practices, Baba was interactive with other people Many came to sit with him in the late afternoons when the day was winding down. Sometimes they played music. Sometimes they asked questions or chatted. Sometimes they sat in silence. Baba anchored all his outer interactions with his deep inner experiences and his deepening inner knowing, developing bit by bit over a period of years. This is how you grow into yourself. You continue your life on the outside while you delve deeper and deeper inward, getting happier and happier along the way. Inner joy is the indicator that you are making progress. This path is not about inner emptiness. This path is about inner joy. It's easy to identify, particularly at the end of your meditation period. Do you feel any different? This is why I talk you through the process of lingering at the end of your meditation period so you revel in the self. So your mind gets saturated by the bliss of consciousness, which is arising within. Your mind may still need some training in how to allow the bliss to flow through but repeated exposure will do it. You actually get good at meditative bliss. How does this happen? Neuroplasticity. Just like the researchers say, you're training your mind to joy. Baba describes it this way. The purpose of meditation is inner happiness, inner peace. It is fine to have visions, but they're not absolutely necessary. What is necessary is inner joy. What is necessary is inner joy. He goes on and says, instead of having negative thoughts, have the awareness, I am pure. I am joy. Feel good about yourself. Fill yourself with great divinity. 
What a great use of the mind. In this way, you use your mind to milk bliss. Like a farmer milks the cow, you're milking bliss and pouring it through your mind. And your body and your brain comply. Research shows that happy people are less likely to get sick, more likely to reach their goals, and make more money on average than those who aren't feeling their best. Those with a positive outlook can live seven and a half years longer on average than those who see the glass as half empty. They go on. Your digestion improves. If you're happy, your body is more likely to carefully swallow, digest, and process a range of foods without any ill effects, acid reflux, or indigestion. And your immune system is better. Serotonin, describes one researcher, serotonin has many positive benefits, one of which is boosting the immune system. Oh, here's another one. This is one of my favorites. The health of your skin is a simple sign of how happy you are. Quote, the skin is the most sensitive organ in the body to assess a person's happiness. End quote. This is totally true. I love seeing people after three or four days of an immersion or training. Their skin is completely different along with their eyes. Researchers again. Happiness influences skin aging because it reduces the shortening of the telomeres, the protein caps on the end of the DNA chromosomes that shorten as we get older. In other words, this research is about a cellular link between happiness and youthfulness. Wow. Please notice that the researchers are not promising you an easy life. And the yogic sages are not saying that everything is going to go along perfectly. What they're saying is that you handle things better when you're based in the bliss of consciousness. The Buddha is famous for having said, all life is suffering. The yogis said, your true nature is bliss. Look inside and you will know. Bottom line, they're both true. When you don't know your own self, everything that happens is a threat, another potential trauma. Even when nothing is happening, your mind traumatizes you with negative predictions as well as horrible memories. Instead, apply yourself to the knowing of your own self which is the true source of joy. This will give you unceasing happiness and end your suffering. Apply yourself to the knowing of your own self, which is the true source of joy. This will give you unceasing happiness and end your suffering. Baba Colossians. You will attain happiness only if you stand firmly in the face of the anguish that you encounter. Do not run from it. Look pain squarely in the face. Then you will understand it. 
I'm going to repeat that. You will attain happiness only if you stand firmly in the face of the anguish that you encounter. Do not run from it. Look pain squarely in the face. Then you will understand it. Without meditation, he says, life is filled with sorrow. Without the bliss of the self, there is unquestionably nothing but suffering. So what you need is the bliss of the self. I'm not talking about pie-in-the-sky happiness. This is not with your head in the sand like the proverbial ostrich. This is eyes open, heart open, breath open. Bring your own self with you everywhere you go. Now you have something worth sharing. Your life is full of meaning because you bring the meaning with you. How do you get there? It's your mind that needs reprogramming. Your essence is beingness itself, consciousness itself, the source of bliss, joy, love, inspiration, creativity, compassion. The big pottery urn full of blessings is found within you. You are the font of all blessings. Just like with the hose, you have to turn on the tap. How? I might urge you to repeat mantra. Patanjali mm. also gives you some other options. The one we're looking at today is Vishoka Vatyotishmati Yoga Sutras 1.36. Remember the serene or luminous states you have experienced within. It might be that you notice a sweet stillness as you're finishing your meditation period, or that you feel more peaceful or relaxed, even refreshed. While you can jump up and get moving if need be, it's interesting how you don't feel rushed. There's an inner sense of timelessness, even vastness, maybe fullness. This is why I ask you to journal so you put words to how you feel. So you begin retraining your mind, training it to joy, training it to consciousness. Until your mind becomes like Patanjali describes, here's one of my favorite sutras. Then your mind is inclined toward discernment and heading toward liberation. Tadaviveka nimnam kaivalya pragbaram chittam. Yoga Sutras 4.26. After training your mind for a while, your mind becomes naturally inclined toward discernment and is heading toward liberation. Now that's a mind worth having. Om Swarupa Swaswa Bhavanamo Namaha.